Yo, 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 it's the Bears Review Show, back at it, episode, Ricky, what episode is this? This is episode 18. Episode 18, but I think okay. Only, um, I think only 16 are out, because yeah. I think two in between the Steelers game and the offseason aren't up. Yeah, I didn't upload a couple of them, because I didn't even know why. I just didn't feel like oh. uploading, so I just never did, but... Uh, yeah, so episode 18, season 2, episode 1, we did like, what, 5, 6 episodes, something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so we got about 21 total, starting to grow, right? Our Christian Watson and George Pickens clips kind of took off, especially the Watson one. That that one got like, what, 2,300 oh, yeah, views, something like that. Pickens got around 700, which is still good. We hit 3,000 on both of them combined, so... I mean, hey, that's big time progress. Windy City Gridiron retweeted us, so we're hitting it big. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that we hit receivers last episode. Go check that out if you want to. We're going to hit O-line today. O-line, probably, would you say that's the biggest need for the Bears, honestly? I put up a poll about it a couple days ago. O-line or receiver, which one is the biggest? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, well, I think your response was very good uh, to one of the people. You said that it doesn't really matter if you have the O-line if no one can get open. So I think it's kind of 50-50. Right, and uh, it is 50-50 because it's like, it's like the chicken and the egg thing where you can't throw the ball if no one's open. But at the same time, people can be open. But if you're flat on your back within a second or two, it's not really going to matter. So... You know, you could go either way there, honestly. I would probably put receiver a little bit above O-line because I think you can help out an O-line by running the ball, play actions, bootlegs, moving the pocket. Um, so I think you can, you know, generate a little bit more time for a quarterback, help your tackles out, do that sort of thing. Whereas for a receiver, you need a really good X, a really good Z to a really good slot guy to really make sure, make sure that he's separating in one-on-one -on -one situations and, um, you know, creating, uh, finding the soft spots in the zones, that sort of a thing. So really making sure he's a big target, which, by the way, speaking of big targets, the Bears just signed my man Ryan Griffin from the Jets yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm... They're 118. Exactly, yeah, my 118, the Jets, Ryan Griffin. I watched him a lot this year. He's really not that big of a threat in the pass game. I mean, he's really, like, really, really slow. When I say slow, I mean really, really slow. He takes about three or four seconds to really hit, you know, start getting going and reaching his top speed. But he is a good blocker. He's got some muscle behind his pads. He can, uh, you know, get down in the trenches, make some plays, clear out some gaps. So hopefully this means the Bears are going to commit to running the ball. Because if there's anything that they have been at least somewhat competent at over the past uh, year or two, it's been running the ball, especially from under center. So hopefully that is a nice uh, foreshadowing for the Bears here soon. Yeah. Um, so just expand on what you said. You said that the you know it's great to have those X and Z wide receivers along with the slot receiver. Uh, yeah. I mean. Um, the Bears were last, I believe, in wide receiver separation last year. So I think if you can get a good X, like maybe a Watson. And speaking of Watson, it's funny because like, 
I mean, we have him really high, but it seems like everyone thinks that he won't go that high. Uh-huh. Like, right. Yeah, and uh, I think it's mostly because of the injury issue, but mm-hmm. is that really that big of a concern, in your opinion? Um, I don't think so. I still see enough on tape to where the explosion and stuff is real, right? And so an injury, all that, it doesn't really concern me all that much, right? Hamstring, I don't see enough to where it's like the explosion is just going to fall off. And from everything you read and hear about the kid, he's an extremely hard worker. He's going to work hard at that rehab, make sure he's as close to 100% as possible. So this isn't this isn't one of those career-threatening type injuries where, you know, it's really, really serious the way... Uh, the way at least people are making Jamison Williams ACL out to be, even though that is not what it was, you know, a decade ago um, in terms of recovery time. So just injuries, I don't see Watson's injury really being that big of a hindrance. The thing that I thought was really, really crazy from some Bears fans was kind of the lack of want for Christian Watson. That was really shocking to me because you had guys uh, that, in my comment section when I wrote the article and all, you had guys who were like, Christian Watson, only 800 yards, doesn't have the stats, lower competition. I'd be willing to take a flyer on him round three or four, but not round two. And that to me is insane because you're falling into the trap of evaluating a guy purely based on numbers and the situation around him rather than looking at just him and his own abilities. So that is really frustrating to me. I went on a rant about that last week. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, you have to prioritize eye test over stats any day. Exactly, that's right. Because it's a team sport, and people forget that so much. Okay, we always boil it down to one guy. If a receiver isn't getting the stats, it's his fault. If, you know, the team sucks and the offense sucks, it's the quarterback. It's the quarterback, it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. Yes, the quarterback has a big impact, but if guys aren't open, he's not being protected, and the play caller sucks... You could be Patrick Mahomes. You could be like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to matter if everybody around you is just crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's my little rant for the day. Mini rant. I'm sure we'll have a couple more here as we get going. But speaking of teammates and building a great supporting cast, one aspect that will be critical for the Bears in getting that supporting cast is the offensive line. Bears. Terrible offensive line past couple seasons. Some of that was accentuated by horrendous play calling from Matt Nagy, but Ryan Pace did do an objectively awful job of addressing the offensive line. So, with new GM Ryan Poles being an offensive lineman himself, Lou Getze having a scheme heavy on uh, on the running game, offensive line is going to be critical for the Bears to address in this draft. And we got, how many guys are we going through today? Eight, nine, something like that? Eight or nine guys, however many. I haven't really looked at it yet something like that um, but we'll be going through that ranking them okay top eight guys in the draft a couple of these guys are are sleepers they're going to be in the bears range so one of them in particular is a guy that i really look at we'll get to him a lot later on in the show but let's kick it off you ready to go bottom to top yes, just one more thing hello windy city what's doing what's happening here we go all right i'm ready to get into all right it. cool let's knock this out so uh, let's see how many I got here. All right, so I got eight. I got eight linemen. And number eight is, and this is going to be a shocker, all right, mm-hmm. it's Charles Cross. 
Charles Cross right. from Mississippi State. He's a guy that I do, I got a lot of questions about. Okay, first off, let's start with the positives. Size, phenomenal. Okay, 6'5", 3'11". He moves extremely well for his size. Uh, so he's got that ability to get to the second level. And because of those physical tools, he does have a decently high ceiling. Okay, he really does. He's got um, good ability to kind of extend and explode out of his stance to really make sure he's creating distance between him and the defensive lineman, which I like. Uh, he's got a lot of different things, the movement stuff I mentioned. The physical tools are there. That's my baseline comment with him. But it's really raw, okay? And when I talk about being really raw, it's more so technically and a little bit mentally as well, but mostly technically, okay? The technique requires a lot of refinement. He holds way too often, all right? He holds way too often. His hand placement is off a lot of the time. His feet can get out of whack because he lacks a little bit of foot speed laterally, okay? I know I said he moves well for his size, but when you talk about lateral foot speed, okay? So think about it. Um, you got a speed rusher trying to bend around the edge. Can you shuffle fast enough to really clear him out uh, and you know push him back towards uh, parallel to the sideline to create a space and a lane for the quarterback to step up? Can you do that? He doesn't really have the foot speed to do that. So he kind of ends up holding. He ends up attacking the defender and getting way off balance, which I don't love. Okay, He struggles to recover when beat. And for me, that's a big thing that I look at because... When you're going up against Miles Garrett and TJ Watt and all of these great pass rushers, you are inevitably going to get beat, okay? And you have to be able to have that foot speed and quickness to be able to, like I mentioned, clear out that lane for your quarterback and create a little pocket for him to throw from. So that's a little bit of a concern. And the last thing I wrote down, just for as big as he is at 6'5", 3'11", Strength and power look to be an issue, okay? He struggles with, I don't really know if it's, um, this is a result of his, his technique, but he struggles with really staying low and anchoring low to the ground where he can really be on balance. I mentioned balance being an issue for him, and that's where he just gets pushed off a ton. Um, he's not, he can't generate that power in close quarters and really be explosive that way. And because of that, he just plays smaller than he is. So I, I do have a lot of concerns about him. Again, the the size and the physical tools are there, but it's really raw. And I'm not sure how fixable some of the issues are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you pretty much said it all. But um, um, yeah, one more thing I'd like to add is that He's really improved uh, on his pass blocking, especially this past year. Mm. He underperformed in that area quite a bit in 2020, so good to see that he's improving in that area. But the thing is, uh, he's not really that experienced as a run blocker because he played in an air raid often, so he played a lot more snaps um, as a pass blocker. So, you know, just looking, uh, looking at this from a bear standpoint, I don't think he's going to fit well in the scheme. Um, if he's there, you know, ready, like, um, if he's gonna get picked or not, you know, but yeah, I mean, he's, um, he's not really that physically imposing. I mean, he's got the tools, but the strength's not great overall, you know? Yeah. Just like you said, he's, I don't expect him to first off be available for the bears. And even if he was, I would not take him. He does not fit the scheme and, uh, yeah, just, you know. A lot of questions about his game. Again, 
I'm rooting for all these guys. Even if I have questions about them, me and you, Ricky, are both rooting for them. We want to see them succeed. They're not that much older than us. So, you know, criticizing kids who are in that age range is it's not something that's easy to do, but it's necessary. You know what I mean? So it's a tough part of the business. But uh, objectively, we got some questions. But Charles Cross, in the 0% chance that you're listening to this, we are rooting for you for sure. <laughs> All yeah, right. Hopefully you hear this, man. Exactly, yeah. Hear it. If you do hear it, use it as motivation. Prove us wrong, okay? Ball out. Go crazy with whichever team selects you. All right, so we'll leave it at that. Something similar we probably will be saying, though, for my number seven tackle, who is Iki Ikuonu. All right. Iki Ikuonu. I actually got to figure out what his full name is. I've never seen his full name. Let me go see that real quick. Okay, I'm not going to try to pronounce him, his full name. Uh, but yeah, Iki Ikuonu, NC State. He is very similar to Charles Cross in that there are definitely things that I like, but it's a little bit raw. And I will say that Cross has a little bit more mobility than Iki Ikuonu in my eyes. Okay, Ikuonu, the ability to get to the second level is less than. Um, technically, he requires some refinement. Okay, because like I mentioned with Cross, he can hold a little bit. He can find himself off balance because his upper body moves a little too fast for that lower body. I mentioned that lack of movement. That's another one of the problems that can occur from that. Um, so he can struggle with, you know, hand placement at times, really extending and being explosive and creating that distance between him and the defender. Um, the... The lack of the elite foot speed also in an offense like the Bears, where it's going to be heavy on screens and pulling, that's less than as well. And just when I combine all of those things, I don't know that he's a guy that's going to be able to step into the NFL immediately and just be an impact starter from day one the way Rashawn Slater was, right? Rashawn Slater this year was exceptional. He was, I mean, he was definitely the best tackle best offensive lineman in uh, from last year's draft class. So at least up to this point. So I don't know if Ikuonu will be able to do that. Um, but there are positives I like. But before we get to that, Ricky, anything you, else you want to touch on on the negatives? Do you agree with me, disagree with me? What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree that he's really raw. I think he's kind of a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. Right. Um, yeah, as you said, technically, I think he needs to improve because he often kind of repeats the same mistakes and rushers will be able to counter his um, bad um, technique, you know, in some areas. But right. And uh, sometimes he's kind of over-aggressive. He's not really um, developed uh, all the way there as a pass blocker. Um, and I think he's better suited as a zone blocker. Um, and, you know, a power running guy, which, again, does not really fit our scheme. Exactly. If, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The movement stuff, too. Um, I mentioned the lack of movement. Luke Getze's offense ostensibly will include a lot of the Shanahan, Lafleur type things where it's going to be a lot of movement from the guards. You're going to see guards pulling some misdirection, window dressing type stuff, blocking down, that sort of a thing. Um, Ikuonu... Yeah, he's more of just a raw, go straight, attack the guy in front of me in uh, in the running game. And, you know, that doesn't really mesh with what the Bears are doing. I do think that he's a more natural fit at guard than tackle. I will say that because 
he has phenomenal power and strength. Okay, his 6'4", 320-pound frame is legit. Okay, you can see it on film. He looks as big as that. those numbers suggest. And when he attacks his defender, he's got the ability to, if his technique is at the very, not maybe not perfect, but if his technique is solid enough, he's got the ability to really move people off their spot. Um, so that's something that you can definitely build on. Like you mentioned, low, or, uh, high risk, high reward. He does have a very high ceiling. And the other thing I like, and this factors into kind of my preference for offensive linemen too, his aggressiveness and his mindset in the running game. He attacks you. Okay, he will he will fight and scratch and claw for every single blade of grass for uh, him to push you back, and he really he wants to pancake you, which I can respect and appreciate. It's something that I look for. You have to have that aggressive mindset and that I'm gonna expose you mindset as an offensive lineman, play in and play out, in order to be successful, right? You have to have that confidence and that desire and that want because you when if you're in the trenches and you know. You're not really about battling. Yeah. You're not going to want to give your best effort every single play. You're not going to want to embarrass the Aaron Donalds. And if he's on the edge, uh, the TJ Watts, like I mentioned, Miles Garrett. So you're not going to want to truly embarrass those guys and show that you belong. You'll kind of be, oh, you know, they got me this time. You'll be a little bit of that Jermaine Afedi, right? And I'm not taking a shot at Jermaine Afedi here. I'm just saying Jermaine Afedi, when he scolded Tevin Jenkins for protecting Justin Fields, you might turn out to be that kind of a player where it doesn't really have the right attitude to fit in with a physical and imposing offensive line. And I think that's the thing that separates uh, Ikwonu from uh, Charles Cross because I think the run blocking is much better. I think the power is um, probably better and, um, you know, he's a super hard worker, better lateral quickness. Exactly. That's right. And technically, I, I would say technically Ikwonu might be a little bit better, but they're similar. They're in the same ballpark. But where Ikwonu gets that advantage over Charles Cross is, like you mentioned, with First off, the aggressive mindset, you could tell he really wants it. Um, and just his power and strength, it's not an issue for him at all. Okay, so because of those two things, he has that extremely high ceiling that Cross doesn't exactly have. And uh, so that's why he's a guy who I look at as a late first round, early second round type guy where it's, hey, he's got the tools. If we can get him here and teach him technique and get him with the right offensive line coach, he could be something in a couple years. He's that kind of a guy where I would take him uh, in that range. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, I will say, whereas with Cross, I would take him probably, you know, second or third round. Yeah. Late second, early third. Somewhere around there is where I think Charles Cross fits best. All right, we hit a quota, we hit Cross. Now, let's move on to the number six guy, all right? The number six guy, this guy's a little bit polarizing for Bears fans. It's Daniel Falele from Minnesota. Okay, Daniel Falele. You know what? Let's flip it. You start here. Give me your thoughts on Falele. Yeah, I mean, he's huge. 6'8", uh, like 380 pounds. I mean, he's he's got strength. He's got the power. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty surprisingly quick and explosive at the point of attack especially for his size i think um you know he's good at driving his hips um good in space um you know good technical ability 
which is surprising as well. Um, but the thing is, um, I'd say his, uh, his weaknesses are that he's kind of susceptible to speed rushers. I think they can just get by him. He's not really that quick off the snap. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's not that experienced as well, which is what makes his uh, technical ability kind of surprising, to be honest. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he has some lapses with overextending, I'd say. What are yeah. your thoughts on it? Yeah, right. I mean, I agree with a lot of the things you said. The size is, I mean, 68380, and it's a legit 68380. He is huge, okay? This guy is massive. And he does possess good strength and power for that size, right? He, he's got those extremely long arms to where he's able to extend and lock out his arms before the defender can... Uh, really get to him that way, which allows him to get that extra leverage. Technically speaking, it's solid, and even though it's not perfect all the time, 100% a machine like some of the top guys we're going to discuss, it's consistent enough to where I think he'll be able to polish it and refine it at the NFL level um, with NFL caliber coaching guys who can stay on his ass, really making sure um, he's doing things the right way. I think he'll be able to have things down pat uh, from that sense. You look at the foot speed, okay? Off the line of scrimmage in kind of close quarters, he's got good foot speed, all right? And because of that, he's a good run blocker, right? He can get uh, to the nickel DB that's a couple yards away in enough time to pancake him, right? He can get, if the, uh, if the will linebacker is, you know, he's attacking the line of scrimmage, Falele can get there before him, beat him to the spot, and really push him back and, uh, create a lane for the running back to explode through. He's able to do those things, okay? So because of that, he does have a decently high ceiling, and I do like that about him. Now, if you're looking at some of the negatives for him, his height can be an issue for a li for one main thing here, and that's that he can be a little bit high at times, okay? Not high like drugged, but high as in, you know, upright. <laughs> Uh, not anchoring close down to the ground where he can really maximize his strength and power. Because the problem is when you're when you're high like that and you're just so tall, the problem is shorter guys are going to be able to get closer to your center of gravity and push you off from that location, right? And it's, I mean, think about it. If uh, you're pushing me at my shoulders, but I got my arms fully extended, locked out onto your stomach, and I'm driving you back that way, I'm going to be able to push you back more than you'll be able to do it to me, right? And that's something that's an issue for him at times. He can get a little bit high there. Um, the other thing I'll add, too, is the lack of foot speed and mobility is a little bit glaring, too. And I mean that in the sense of, I know I said decent foot speed in close quarters, when you're asking him to do some of the movement stuff and pull uh, to the opposite side of the field for inside and outside zone runs, that's a little bit of an issue with him, okay? He lacks the, the athleticism to get to the second level in the running game. Um, the lack of foot speed, it's, you know, you're not going to be able to do some of those pulling and movement stuff that you would with some of the top guys. So in a Bears scheme... I don't love him as a tackle. I will say that I think as a guard, he could prove he could uh, provide some value, especially in the power running game. If you just ask him to, hey, just go straight, attack that guy on the line of scrimmage in the front seven, and just pancake him with your raw strength and power, he'll be able to do that. 
But when you're trying to get into some of the more nuanced stuff with the misdirection and the window dressing and some of the things that Lugetsi, like I mentioned, will most likely incorporate, that's something that I, I don't love Falele at. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay, cool. Anything else you want to add to uh, Daniel Falele? Where would you take him? Like, just generally. Not Bear-specific, no. but just generally in the draft. You know, I'd, I'd probably take him in the second round. Okay. I see. Like, mid-second round, high-second round, what are you thinking there? Probably probably mid-second round, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, I see that for Where sure. Would you take him? Yeah, I'd probably take him... I said Ikuonu was a late first, early second. I'll go that same range for Fa'alele, okay? Um, Fa'alele doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Ikuonu, but I think he's a little bit more of a sure thing, right? So he's a little bit lower risk, but also lower reward, so you got to factor that in. I would probably take him around that same range. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm looking at the draft order right now. Teams that need an offensive lineman, like the Bengals at 31, I would look at. Um, let's see here. All the good teams. See, this is how you know the value of an offensive line. Because literally outside of the Bengals, all of the other good teams have good offensive lines. So, <laughs> um, the Lions, I picked 32. Um yeah, I think somewhere around there. Pick 31-32 to the Bengals or Lions. That's probably where I'd take him. That's probably the best fit. Yeah. All right, cool. So we hit Falele. Let's go up to the number five guy. Guys, five, really five through one, honestly. Um, I all like, and I all think, I, I think all of them could serve a real purpose for the Bears here. Okay, so number five, Kenyon Green from Tamu, Texas A&M University, home of my uh, former and still one of my top favorite quarterbacks, I should say, Kellen Mond. Uh, what did you think of Kenyon Green when you watched him from Tamu? Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably one of the most NFL-ready offensive lineman prospects there is in this draft. Um, I think he's really good, um, uh, you know, versatility-wise. I think he's I mean, he's lined up at four O-line positions, but he, he mainly played as a guard. He's a good athlete, good bulk. Um, he's uh, good balance-wise. He doesn't really overextend in the path protection. Um, I think he's really intelligent. I think he plays with a general, you know, um, NFL kind of smarts level. Right. Um, and I think he's got quick, quick feet, uh, pretty good um, speed off the line of scrimmage i think better than Falele in that aspect uh i think that's the main thing that uh you know elevates him over Falele. and um yeah i mean those are pretty much his strengths and uh, you know what you want to el elaborate on his weaknesses yeah i can uh, hit on the weaknesses so the thing i'll say is <laughs> excuse me the technique it, it requires a little bit of refinement, but it's definitely consistent enough to where he'll be able to polish it further. I have no doubt about that, okay? There are things he can do where uh, he doesn't always lock out his arms and get the elbows, uh, you know, to the inside of his uh, his arms in the run blocking or pass protection. And he can get a little bit too low in the running game, which throws off his balance. Like I mentioned with Falele, who can get too high, 
you there's a happy medium between the two you don't want to be so low to where you're basically doing like a deep squat on the squat rack or something but you also don't want to be too high to where you know you're doing calf raises on the squat rack or something like that so there's a balance between the two green can be on the lower end of that balance at times which i don't love um but again these things are you see him do it the right way enough consistently to where he'll be able to iron things out and become more of a machine like really the top two guys in this draft class as far as um the the foot speed he's got good foot speed um but it's not elite special to where he's going to be able to thrive against all speed rushers in the nfl there are times in college where he can struggle against guys who bend the edge and uh he doesn't have that top tier lateral quickness to really clear a lane for the quarterback at times but again it's not absolutely terrible to where it's like oh my gosh that's just so glaring and he's not a first or second or maybe even third round talent because of it he definitely is that okay he definitely is my baseline comment with him overall is he is he has a low ceiling but he's almost bust proof. Like he is, he is probably the most sure thing out of everybody in this class because he kind of is what he is. He doesn't have maybe the absolute just special tools that the top four guys, really the top three guys, plus the fourth guy have. Um, but he's not as raw as Falele at number six, Ekwonu at number seven, and Cross at number eight to where he'll, you know, you do have some questions. But overall, I really like Kenyon Green. I really do. Um, he's a guy that, if he's in the Bears range, he's a guy I would take a look at depending on how the board shakes out and potentially draft. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him in the Bears scheme? Bears scheme? I think he does fit the Bears scheme. He does have that versatility, which is big with Luke Getze, right? We saw that uh, with the Packers. I mean, man, it felt like all of their offensive linemen, if one got hurt, the next guy just came in and fit in seamlessly no matter what his natural position was. So that is big. His movement is good enough to where he'll be able to do some of the pulling and uh, some of the misdirection, window dressing type stuff that is critical in this offense. Um, And like I mentioned, I mean, you could put him in at guard or tackle. So... At the Bears' current offensive line, um, Tevin Jenkins probably, I would assume, would be moving to right tackle. I, I would assume that, at least. That's his natural position, so that's kind of what I prefer. Um, Larry Borom. I did like Larry Borom. Um, I don't think he has that great of a potential, though. I mean, he's solid, but who is? Know, is he really that kind of caliber? Kenyon Green or Larry Borum? Uh, no, Larry Borum. Oh, Larry Borum. Yeah, Larry Borum is not... He's not going to be like a superstar or a star or anything. He's a, you know, decent to pretty good starter in the NFL in my eyes. That's kind of where he caps out at. What were your thoughts on him as rookie year? Were you impressed by him? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, he was pretty good, but I don't think he has, um, you know, that potential, like I was saying, because, um, you know, you need at least one standout guy on this offensive line and um yeah i mean right i think you, you have to keep looking here yeah he's yeah you, so you're saying you would probably go for a guy who has that superstar uh type talent in this draft class that uh you know to maybe pair with tevin jenkins who we really don't know much about at all mm-hmm Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. And literally, I pulled up a quote just now who says, 
Um, this is from, let me try to figure out who this is from. Jeff Hughes of DeBear's blog. Yeah, Je well, it's Jeff Hughes from DeBear's blog. He says, two things I was told about the offensive line when Ryan Poles was hired were, A, James Daniels was not going to be re-signed. James Daniels was not re-signed. And B, the opinion of Larry Borum was not particularly high. So based on the uh, manifestation of that first statement, statement A with James Daniels, we could probably assume that Larry Borum really doesn't have many fans in this new Bears regime, um, which I, you know, I don't know how much I agree with that. I think Borum has performed well enough to deserve a shot at starting at left tackle next year. I really do think that because he did show me enough. He wasn't like a stud by any means, but he wasn't absolutely terrible either where he was just giving up sacks left and right. You know what I mean? He was solid. And when a guy is solid in his first year, he deserves a chance to uh, get an opportunity to, uh, you know, have a second year to potentially grow on that. So, yeah, I mean, um, so you think that um, you need someone uh, who could potentially, you know, uh, I guess be a superstar? Or you think Larry Borum can, uh, you know, fit into this offense, fit into this scheme? And um, we can stick with them for now. I do think we need, a, at the very least, a star lineman where, you know, in those third and one, fourth and inches situations, everybody in the building knows we're running about behind that one guy. Okay? You know we're running here. You can try loading up as much guys in, that, in, the, uh, in those two adjacent gaps as you want. It won't matter because that guy's so good, he's going to clear out a lane for the running back. We do need that guy. We've been missing him for the past uh, about three seasons, and that's valuable for an offense because, I mean, think about it. How many times in fourth and one did we not convert or were we unsuccessful or even in third and one over the past couple seasons? So that's something that I think yeah. is definitely big to keep the sticks moving. Definitely. Okay, um, so... How did we even get here? We were talking about Kenyon Green, right? All right, so let's go back yeah. to Kenyon Green for a minute. Where were we with him, honestly? I just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, with Kenyon Green, we were talking about, you know, um, you know, is that low-risk um, part of him. But, I mean, because he doesn't really have a low ceiling, you know. Right, yeah, low-risk. Um I mean, he's, sorry, he does have a low ceiling. He does have a low ceiling, yeah. Low risk, low reward. He's a guy yeah. who I think should be on the Bears' radar, depending on how the draft board shakes out. If a Christian Watson is not is no longer there, if George Pickens isn't there any longer, if, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. If, Honestly, you know, I don't see guys, uh, people ranking George Pickens that high, so he may be there. He might be available, right, but... Let's say if you think he's going to be available at um, later on in the draft at like pick 48 or something, uh, if Pickens is, or if Kenyon Green is available at pick 48, just all the different options, depending on your feel for the draft, that's going to be critical here in, in uh, the 2022 draft, depending on all those things. I could see the Bears taking Kenyon Green, and I, I would be happy with that. I would, because he's like, he's the sure thing where he is what he is. And there's definitely a spot for him uh, as a starter on an offensive line. 
Yeah, I'd agree. Especially with the versatility aspect, I think. Exactly. It fit well into the scheme. Yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't be happy if he came here. Exactly. That's right. All right. So we hit Kenyon Green pretty well. Let's move on to number four. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, I can guess what this guy is. Is it Penning? It is Penning. Green? Yeah. It is. Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa. Penning and Kenyon Green were both neck and neck. Okay. They really were. Because Penning, it's like one guy, Penning, has some strengths in areas that Green doesn't have, but then Green has strengths in areas that Penning doesn't, and Green is a little bit more of a sure thing. Sure, he may not have as high of a ceiling, but he's a little bit more of a sure thing. But what I came down to between these two is Penning, to me, has, of course, that little higher of a ceiling, and I think he's got a pretty good chance of reaching that ceiling. So what I mean by that is his technique is somewhat raw, but like a couple other guys that I mentioned, you've seen enough to where he'll be able to pick things up consistently as far as his balance and his patience and pass protection, not being overeager, not overcommitting to a, uh, a defensive lineman and throwing himself off balance, that sort of a thing. You see enough to where he'll be able to grow and develop that aspect of his game. Okay. One thing I would like to see from him more is uh, just more power in his lower body. That's something that he struggles with where because of his height, maybe this is another thing where height can be a little bit of an issue. He is he anchors a little bit higher off the ground. And that, like I mentioned before with Fale, like causes him to be pushed back a little bit easier because of the whole center of gravity physics and all that. So I would like to see that. But if we're looking at the positives, the size is exceptional. I mean, 6'7", 322. And he looks 6'7", 322 as well. Because of that, he has a physical intimidation factor that only, really only Fa'alele has in this draft class to where it's like when you're lining up off, uh, opposite of him, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a mountain that you got to climb to get to that quarterback, which I do like. He moves very well for his size. Okay, that's going to be big in if he does become a bear in a movement-heavy scheme. And his ability to react to blitzes games in the front seven. You mentioned Kenyon, Kenyon Green having those smarts to really read and react with some of the things that happen at the line of scrimmage. Trevor Panning has a similar ability too. Maybe not to the level of Kenyon Green, but it's in that ballpark. Um, and just the totality of all those things. He's got a little higher of a ceiling than Green. I don't see him being like a game-changing superstar type player, but I definitely think he can be a really, really good tackle for a long time. Yeah. Uh, well, but the thing with Penning is I think he's more of a brute force guy than mover because, mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't... Some things that he has issues with is leverage and uh, continuing to move his feet because that technique, and especially pass protection-wise, is little bit lacking but it can be improved and um, he has been caught holding because of this reason mm -hmm. but yeah I mean he's he's massive he's strong um, he moves his feet well so um, yeah I mean he he's um, he's very good run blocker for this reason he's uh, you know more of that attacking kind of guy like right. um, yeah. I believe was it uh, was it that we were talking about? was that attacking kind of guy was it, are you talking about Falele or Ekwonu 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 yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah so, so that's what I in the run that's what I see game? I think they both have high ceilings okay and then so who would you take Green or Penning 
Uh, I'd, I'd say Penning, because I think he has a bit of bit of a higher ceiling. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, again, both of them are both of them are really good. Um, Penning, of course, I think has a little higher ceiling, so that's why I gave him an edge. And then you mentioned the run blocking. Do you see him fitting in a Luke Getze run scheme where it's a lot of the movement stuff? Do you think his movement is good enough to be a pulling guard in that type of a sense? Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because Henning versus Green, you know, I think that Green has the slightly quicker feet. I think that he's a better mover, whereas Henning um, relies more on that brute force, you know. I think Green is a, probably a bit more versatile. Okay, yeah, so how high would you take him then? I'd say around the same range as uh, Kenyon Green. Okay, so you're so thinking... I'd, Probably late first round, early second. Okay, so yeah, you know, pick 31 and 32. If the Bengals take green, the Lions take panning, or vice versa, something like that. Yeah, I'd say that's a good range. Yeah, I can get behind that. Both of these guys, to me, are definitely like borderline first round talents. They're in that type of a range. So I could see these two, and I guess by default, the top three. And I, the, really, those five are the first-round guys. Falele, I guess, maybe in the like very late pick 32, maybe he could sneak in there. But really, those top five guys are the guys that I look at as the first-round talents who teams should have their eyes on if they're drafting in that range. I'd agree. So what do you think really separates Penning from Green? I would go for that... that uh, the ceiling aspect and the size as well. Okay, six seven three twenty two, um, and the one thing I will say is uh, he can. How do I say this? Like he, his ability to anchor, I think, with his strength and power, I think he's got better strength and power than Green, um, and because of that, I think he's a little bit more physically imposing. And just overall, that ceiling, the strength, the power, the movement is similar between him and Green. I think Penning is more of a, a natural just tackle. Green has the higher versatility, but if you're just looking for a pure tackle, a left tackle that can protect very well, Green is your guy. And I tend to give a little bit more benefit to those traditional left tackle guys. You, of course, you seem to be leaning towards the versatility. Would I be right in saying that? Probably, yeah. I yeah. Mean, would you say that green is going to be better, like, in a window dressing-wise, um, in a Getsy scheme? I, w I would, yeah. I would pro I would take green over Penning in Getsy scheme. Um, if you're looking for an offense like the Chiefs, where it's just five-man protection, drop back, throw the ball downfield, then I would take Penning because he's more strength and power uh, from that sense. He's a little bit better in pass protection. Um, and can clear the edge a little bit better too, I would say. But really, if you're looking for scheme dependent as a Bears fan, I would take green. I would take green. All right, so we nailed those two. Top three. These top three guys, I will say, are by far the guys with number one, the highest ceiling, and number two, the best chance of reaching that ceiling. Okay? And it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. The guy got at number three because it is Evan Neal from Alabama. Okay, Evan Neal. Listen, I love Evan Neal. 
Okay, I really do. There's not a lot to dislike about his game. You look at the size at 6'7", 350, it's absolutely unbelievable. But unlike some of those other bigger guys in Falele and Penning that we talked about, Neil anchors low to the ground, so he really maximizes his strength and power, which, by the way, his strength and power in his upper and lower body are both absolutely phenomenal. Okay, the movement is good. He's not a great mover. And really, that's the thing that separates him from the top two guys is the movement where his is good. The top two are special for Neil. He's definitely capable of getting to the second level. He's got good explosion off the line of scrimmage so he can take on some of those uh, slimmer, um, more explosive, you know, three technique, one technique type guys. He's got phenomenal physicality. Um, and he's capable of clearing the edge. Okay, so he's got the foot speed where if he's going up against like a Von Miller, uh, a speed rusher who's not really just pure brute force and raw power, he can slide with that guy, clear him outside, and create that lane for the quarterback to step up in. He's got good recovery speed, which, as I mentioned before, is critical when you're lining up against these superstar pass rushers. He's going to be able to, even when he is beat, he's going to be able to recover and clear up a little bit of a lane. And I think he's got good versatility, too. You see a lot of instances where the tight end is lined up outside him, which kind of puts him in a little bit of a guard-type spot because he's crashing down on a guy in the interior. So I think he's got the skill set as well as just the natural talent to play both guard and tackle. Overall, I mean, those are the positives. There are a couple negatives, but I want to get your taste with those positives first. Yeah, positives, like you said. I think uh, his foot speed and quickness are very good, but I think I don't think they're special like, you know, the guys we're going to get to in a, in a bit here. But, yeah, I mean, he's great uh, movement-wise and size. Uh, very versatile, can play both left and right tackle very well. Um, he's great in the run game, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I would say for the positives-wise. Um, should I move on to weaknesses? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is that he, he needs to move his feet more because what I've noticed is that he kind of stops his feet after initially contacting the defender and right. I think he relies on his athleticism and his length and I don't think that he'll be able to do that against like the Watts and the Garrett's of the world um, you know on the NFL level um, but yeah and I, I think he needs to improve his technique wise um, and his pre in the in pass protection sorry and um, yeah I mean his technique is good but he needs some refining right so real quick um, when you said kind of stopping that leg drive at the point of contact. That's one of the things I had written down. I definitely saw that too. And that's something that you need in the run game, where when you make that contact, you need to then drive that defender back literally as far as possible to create as big of a lane as possible for your running back to run through. And Neil doesn't do that, but I think that's teachable. I don't look at it as like, uh, oh, it's just lack of care. It's you know, it's lack of discipline. Yeah, he is disciplined. That. Yeah, he is disciplined. It's just, I don't think he's necessarily been taught that as a primary focus of his. And I think if he devotes his sole attention to making sure he drives through the defender rather than just to the defender, then that'll take his run blocking abilities to a whole another level for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the main thing is 
unlike these other two guys that we're going to get to, I think he's not um, the athlete that those two guys are. And right. I don't think that he has the technique that those yeah, two guys are. Exactly. And the top two guys, in terms of technique, they're machines. With Evan Neal, I think he's capable of being a machine, but he's not quite there yet. Right? He's going to take maybe a year or two to uh, really be consistent with his technique and just as refined with his hands and uh, all those things as possible. So I think he is capable of getting there. His ceiling is, you know, it's somewhere in the class of those top two guys. He has an extremely high ceiling. He can be a superstar for sure. It's just it might take a year or two for him to do that, whereas for the top two guys, I mean, they can walk into the NFL right now and be special. Yeah. All right, so we've given a big-time tease for the top two guys. Of course, this is an all-offensive lineman ranking, so centers are included, which means, I mean, just about everybody knows who one of those two guys are, but the other one is a surprise. It's a guy that I was absolutely blown away by, okay? He is, like... He is my guy for Bears offensive lineman targets. This is the guy that I would be absolutely thrilled and excited and jumping out of my seat if they get this kid. It's Bernhard Raymond from Central Michigan. Not to be confused with Bernhard Riemann, the mathematician Riemannsum, as you touted him. Okay, the mathematician. I remember he's a guy who I... I, I, re- I used to wake up at like 3.30 a.m. This is a little Rahul's freshman year life note i used to wake up at 3 30 a.m to literally read bernhard riemann's books and drink this himalayan sea salt lemon juice thing to purify my body quote unquote air quotes around that because i so here's the thing i had uh i had freshman year basketball open gyms open gym is like a practice before the trial and i had freshman year basketball open gyms at 5 30 in the morning so I would leave for those around 5 a.m. And I was like, all right. But I had this routine set before I would go like play basketball and be, really before I would start my day where I would meditate for 20 minutes. I would read for 30 minutes and I would spend 10 minutes making and drinking this Himalayan sea salt water where it's it's uh, what it, what was it? Crap, I can't remember. It, it was like a half liter of cold water, I think, a half liter of hot water. You mix them together, and then you squeeze the juice of one lemon, and then you pour, like, two two fingertips or whatever of Himalayan sea salt, mix it all together, and drink it. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted in my entire life, but I used to do that religiously. Like, it was some, you know, ritual that I had. Does it have any uh, health benefits that I should know about? I don't, like, I don't think so. Because the only reason I was doing it was to at least get the perception of purifying my body. But honestly, I mean, really, I just took a shit afterwards. (laughs) Like, it didn't do anything for me, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. I would do that. And before I did all that, I would read for 30 minutes during that reading time uh, Bernhard Riemann's, like, theory of mathematics or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. There's Rahul's life I remember doing Riemann sums. Prime Obsession. Prime obsession. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, that was BC, right? Calc BC. Yeah, that was um, yeah, kind of a while ago, but yeah. Yeah, I, I remember doing that. that. Gosh, it's already been that long. Time flies. That's crazy. All right, but Bernhard Raymond, my man, Bernhard Raymond. Size, unreal. 
Okay, absolutely unreal. Six seven three zero four, and unlike um, the bigger guys that we've mentioned already, right? Unlike those guys with Falele um, and Penning and even Neil, he always is anchored low to the ground. He's always in the right body position where he can maximize his strength and power, and his strength and power is absolutely exceptional. Okay. The other thing too, his athleticism. He is. I would say he's probably the number one. He's probably. It's it's really close between athleticism between him and. The number one guy who everybody knows now is Tyler Linderbaum. It's really close between the two. I would give probably Linderbaum the edge because I think he's a hair more explosive uh, from a variety of different positions. But Raymond's athleticism is unreal. And he was a converted wide receiver, right? So that's, I mean, that's where he gets all the explosion and the athleticism from off the line of scrimmage, which is exceptional. His ability to move laterally is off the charts good it's unreal he can clear out those uh those speed rushers like it's nothing he can do that in an instant he can recover he's got great recovery athleticism for a lineman his mindset in the run game is exceptional he's got he wants to pancake you he wants to put you on the ground and he'll talk trash to you and let you know about it afterwards i love offensive linemen with that edge and that nastiness to him and i mean the the thing that's even more impressive about him converting from receiver to tackle is that he's got a boatload of untapped potential. I mean, think about that. He's been playing offensive tackle for uh, only, you know, a couple years. I honestly don't know how long. Only a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, only years. a couple of years. He has so much untapped potential. I mean, think about that. <laughs> That's insane. That's absolutely insane. So this guy, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on him. He, to me, is absolutely unreal. Yeah, he's tall. He's got long arms. He's got good agility. He just, you know, knocks rushers off the route. He can handle those speed rushers with ease. And he's got good power, good pass blocker, good run blocker. He just got, you know, everything. He's got good stance, uh, you know, uh, center of gravity. All that's really good. Good footwork, good technique. Um, the thing I will say is that he has kind of, you know, short arms. I know we were saying that, but can he pick it? But yeah. here... Uh, I think it makes you know, more of a difference, but right. same thing with Tyler Linderbaum, by the way. But I think his play strength and um, his uh, footwork more than make up for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is literally, like, I don't have any negatives about Bernhard Raymond. Okay, I really don't. The only reason he's at number two is because Tyler Linderbaum at number one, I think he's, okay, so here, here's the one negative I will say about, not really about Raymond, but about the transition from college to the NFL. With a lot of the small school guys, it takes them a year to adjust to the size, the speed, the physicality of the NFL game, right? You see that in the quarterbacks. Look at like uh, uh, Josh Allen from 2018, where the talent was there, but he was from a small school where he wasn't used to pass, rusher, pass rushers getting there that quickly and the game being played at that high of a speed, right? So that'll be maybe a year, maybe even two years of an adjustment for Raymond. But once he gets that down, I mean, he's a superstar. He is a, he's a superstar to me. He's got literally everything you could possibly want in a tackle. To me, he's the guy that him and Christian Watson – are the two guys who, if they're on the board, I mean, 
You gotta take them. Yeah, Unless both of them the are thing is, like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, even though he played at a smaller school and, you know, he's got to adjust to the NFL level, I think he really could make an impact in his first year. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of superstar impact. Yeah, right. He, like... I wouldn't put him past put it past him because everything is there. It's just from what I've seen with the smaller school guys, I think there's a good chance that it might take him a year. Whereas with Linderbaum, and we'll get into into him here here in a moment. Really, the only thing that separates the two of them is that Linderbaum has done it against high competition, so it won't be as much of a transition. He's the guy who I think will probably step in right away and be an impact player from the get go. Um, but I mean, both of them are. Ex- they're they're unreal talents, man. They really are. I was kind of shocked by both of them. I only have one weakness for both of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, yeah, probably just one, to be honest. Arm length? Huh? Is it the arm length? Yeah, it's the arm yeah. length. Right. How much do you like? How much do you really value compared to what you see on tape for them? Um, I mean, I think that um, with center, I think it's kind of different because mm. I think those bum-rushing nose tackles can just, you know, kind of eat with those uh, shorter arms. But mm. I think uh, the footwork, the fundamentals are the most important things. Yeah, and both of these guys have the footwork necessary, the fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, they... Should we get into Linderbaum? Let's do. Let's have the conversation kind of with Linderbaum and Raymond, because those are the two guys for me. Are they the two guys for you? The would you oh, say? Yeah, they, yeah are. they are. Okay, so yeah, they they really are the two guys in this class for both of us. Um, as far as Linderbaum yeah, goes, the he's kind of he's like he's like Raymond if Raymond played center. Um, I will say that Linderbaum is probably a hair more athletic just because he can like i mentioned do it from a variety of body positions he's playing center so he's got to have a little more explosion because he's got to snap the ball and then get up and uh you know get to his assignment um and i mean like raymond technical machine literally he is in the right spot at the right time with the right making the right play perfect technique it is it's almost unreal when you watch him it really is yeah i mean he's He's got it all pretty much. Got that athleticism. He's got the fundamentals, the technique. He's got great angles. Um, you know, seals his hips well, uses his hands well. Mm-hmm. Can block against the one tech and the three tech. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's more of a wide zone center than a power rushing. Right. Exactly. Kind of guy, though. Exactly. Yeah. He. I mean. He's slipping in mock drafts. I would be absolutely shocked if he's available for the Bears. I would be absolutely shocked. There's at pick 39. I would be just. It would be unreal if he really is. I would be extremely happy, but it would be unreal. Um, but yeah. The, I, yeah. I mean, it would be because I think he really is probably a top 10 to 15 talent in oh this yeah. draft. Oh yeah, for sure. Him and Linderbaum, Raymond, and even Evan Neal. I would say they're top 10-ish type talents. Picks like 9 to 12, I could see... I, that's where I would take I could, all three I could of them. see the Seahawks taking them. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let me pull up that draft order again. Yeah, the Seahawks... Oh, yeah, the ninth pick. Are they going quarterback, though? Maybe they... I don't... Because I, they definitely do need offensive linemen, but... I don't knows, think you, you, know you would I mean? take a quarterback that high, though, especially yeah, in this draft class. In this class, yeah... 
Um, the Giants, I mean, hmm. like the Giants could probably, number seven is a little too high just because of the positional value. But if the Giants trade down, maybe with one of these quarterback desperate teams, like maybe the Commanders or um, who knows, maybe the Seahawks or the Falcons, something like that, and take him pick nine, pick 11, somewhere around there, that would be good. The Texans, they need every single draft pick possible. So, um, yeah, that's uh, he would be good there. Davis Mills. Superstar, outside of superstar quarterback Davis Mills, because we all know that neck length is the key determining factor in quarterback success, as history has shown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just look at quarterbacks with no necks. Like, who's a guy that, who's a quarterback that has no neck? Who's a neckless quarterback? Let me look this up real quick. <laughs> I don't know. Um, first thing that popped up was Joe Burrow. <laughs> I don't know why, though. Because <laughs> he's got a pretty clear... Eh, when he's wearing the turtleneck, I guess you can't really see it. Well, yeah, that theory doesn't hold. But as kind of, we are talking about with the linemen. Yeah, I mean, the Giants... Falcons, if they're not going quarterback, Seahawks, Jets, my 1A team, the Jets, um, Houston, kind of that range, I think would definitely, I could see all three of these guys going in Linderbaum, Raymond, and Neil. Yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts you got, Ricky, before we go ahead and wrap this thing up? Uh, Not really. I, I mean, I think that these top two guys are really going to be special. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they really stand out. You know, just one more time to reiterate, reiterate um, these are rankings. So not everybody can be they number could one. Be wrong. Yeah, they definitely could be wrong. Who knows? You know, if if Cross and Aquono prove me wrong, I'll be the first to say it. You will, too. I mean, they certainly have the capability to do so. And like this is the first year we put out rankings and stuff. Right. I know I did rankings last year of everybody, but really this is the first official year, so we're going to be learning. Learning. This is kind of an on-the-job thing where if we're wrong, we'll self-evaluate, figure out, hey, maybe maybe we do need to value arm length more or something like that to identify uh, a top-tier tackle. But kind of, you know, go with the flow, self-evaluate. But like I mentioned, from tape, NFL readiness, uh, the fundamentals, all those things, I feel pretty comfortable with the list that we've got here. Um yeah, I mean, Brett Coleman was wrong by Justin Herbert, but he's a great NFL analyst, so you just got to keep learning. Shout exactly. out to Brett yeah. Coleman, you know? It's, and you're not going to be right 100% on everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just not. Yeah. There's no way. The average NFL team bats 50% on draft picks, which is literally, I mean, that's almost like putting on autopilot on the draft and just, you know, hey, let me just, it's like in uh, uh, 2K when you can do those rebuilds, you turn on the simulated uh, rebuild or whatever it's called to have the CPU do it for you. It's almost like doing that, <laughs> literally, to determine yeah. who the great players are in the NFL. But that's the beauty of the draft. You never know who's going to be great. You never know who's going to suck. Um, yeah, that's all I got. You got anything to add to that? Um, no, not really. All right. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, Chicago, um, and good mental health. Yes, sir. And yeah. Any signing off. Yes, sir. Good mental health. Thank you for listening. Be good. Have fun this weekend. Do some fun shit as always. There are no parties at Sigma Nu, though. That's kind of sad.
<laughs> you know what I mean? I never go to parties, so <laughs> Like, that's the signal of it's final exam season coming up when there's no party on a Friday night, you know? Uh, actually, I wouldn't know, because, you know, I'm not really into that shit. Is it, is it <laughs> snowing for you guys right now? Uh, I don't know. Because it's uh, snowing here. Literally right I mean, it outside. It was raining earlier today. I'm looking right outside my window. It is snowing like crazy. Hmm. It's the first, it's, it's a third of the way through April and it's snowing. That's insane. That's Chicago for you. But yeah, you know, back to this podcast, wrap this thing up. Do good stuff, be good, do some fun stuff. Enjoy your weekend. Don't be too crazy. Don't get drunk. Uh, ask your crush out. I don't know. Do something fun. All right. Peace out. <laughs> be good. See ya. Good night, Chicago. <laughs>